Hello, and welcome to the Lola Community Podcast. Here you'll find conversations, practices, teachings, musings, all sorts of goodies, um, just to deepen your own awareness, knowledge, self-inquiry. These are things that we're really passionate about, about over here in the Lola community. Um, we are really a hybrid community. We offer live events and retreats in the Washington, D.C. area. And then we also have online communities, this podcast, of course, and other supportive resources. If you go to the newly revamped and revised lolacommunity.com, you will find everything you need to learn more about us. But more importantly, we have offered you the resource section. So go to lolacommunity.com and click on resources. There you will find yoga practices. You will find access to our self-compassion challenge. You will find access to my book, Delight, and also Plan to Thrive, the ultimate time and energy management guide. So lots of goodies for you guys to help you deepen your own inner life, to connect to other soul sisters in our community and beyond, and just to really inspire and uplift your everyday life. So we hope you enjoy and please remember to share, share, share. For small communities like ours, the most important thing is authentic sharing and engagement. We love to know the members of our community. So sharing podcast episodes with your friends or loved ones, um, sharing links to our writing or our community retreats, all of that really does matter in terms of strengthening our community and being able to really find the women who want to do this kind of work. So thank you in advance for being such an advocate for your own healing, your own well-being, and your own deep self-care. Hey guys, today's conversation is with one of my new friends, Licia Morelli, and Licia and I talk about something that we share a passion for, which is writing, and writing in all aspects of our life. So how we work with it, with our own thoughts and emotions, why it's an important aspect of our practice and our healing. And Lisa is one of my new friends from the internet, which, you know, I think that it's been wonderful to connect with other humans who you, you share so much in common with and strengthening your philosophy, having deep conversations around why we do certain things we do, and then all the different ways that we can strengthen and support one another in different areas of the country and in different communities. So having Licia on was really fun, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, so today we are going to talk about writing and journaling. We're going for it. We're going right in because I um, emailed you this week about my frustration with the resistance for the women in my community who keep telling me they want to, you know, transform their lives and their inner life and their outer life, but don't want to do the journaling. They don't. They really don't. People don't want to journal. I don't understand it either, Pleasance, but we're going to change their mind today. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. Give us a little bit of background about what you're doing, what you do with writing, and how you see writing and journaling um, as such an important part of the transformative process. Awesome. So 
The long and the short of it is that when I was in fourth grade, I announced on career day that I would like to be a writer. I had no idea what that meant or what that would entail, okay. but I announced it to the class and it was on the heels of winning um, an honorable mention for writing an essay about Harriet Tubman. So I felt like clearly this was the track I needed to be on. I go through my life, you know, and, and writing was always the through line for me. I, I work, you know, as an editorial director now in the online atmosphere. I, I have worked in and out of different types of marketing and sales jobs, but always, always, always writing and storytelling has been at the forefront of it all. And what is curious to me is that I sort of derailed my promising writing career after elementary school because I felt like I couldn't be a writer. Like, what did that actually mean? Yeah. You know, and so for a very long time, I did other things. And looking back, you know, now at 40, I am watching the trajectory of my life and seeing that with every interest, with every job, I was always writing about it, whether that was in a journal, whether that was, you know, writing an essay for an online magazine, whatever it was, I was writing about it. And yet I still wasn't owning this aspect of myself. I still wasn't devoted to the writing process, right? Because mm -hmm. what did it really mean? Mm -hmm. And so what has happened over the last five, six years is that I have become more and more devoted through daily practices of writing, whether or not you want to call yourself a writer, whether or not you want to call yourself, you know, a professional slinger of words, whatever. Writing, if you put pen to paper, you are a writer. If that's something that you really enjoy, like you have a thought in your head and it, you want it to come down your arm and onto a page, whether you show that to somebody or not, you are a writer. And part of embracing that and part of really connecting with that is actually daily writing, mm -hmm. which brings in the journal, right? Mm -hmm. And so something that I am really committed to is this, this story of resistance and how to move through it, as well as like my personal experience with this. So over the last few years, I realized, okay, so I have this through line of storytelling. I have this through line of, of writing. But what does that actually mean? And so when my kids were younger, I knew that if I wanted to have time and space for myself, I had to make it. And I didn't necessarily want to sit in sitting meditation. I love yoga, but yoga wasn't my practice necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I knew I needed something to be devoted to. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was, is I started waking up at 5.30 in the morning because I knew from 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning, no one would disturb me and I would have time to write. And so what started then was this practice of journaling, writing prompts, and writing in that hour. And I knew that if I did that, I would have so much more clarity of my day. I would have so much more openness and space to create for me, as well as see in the world how I was being guided to create. Mm -hmm. And one of the simplest things that I love teaching is this, you know, um, the woman that did vein of gold who talks about morning pages, oh, Julia God. Cameron, 
Yes. <laughs> Julia Cameron has morning pages. And I think that's genius, right? Sitting down, writing for 15 minutes, you end up with three pages, you're done. Then I learned, you know, I kind of sort of evolved, like that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to be doing in my journaling practice. What I wanted to be doing was more getting started to take action in creativity, more getting started to connecting with sort of that inner voice, that authentic voice, the voice that lives in our subconscious and I wanted it out on the page. And so something that I employ in my journaling practice is five minutes of creative writing where you are being descriptive and you are taking something that is in the everyday and you're writing about it in a way that puts that would put your reader on the page then you sort of do that for 10 days at a time and then you go back to it and you highlight what stands out to you in that writing and then that actually is a showing way of what you need to be paying attention to in your life, in your creativity, in your own practices, your own devotions. And so that's kind of the tack that I take with journaling because I want it to be effective and I want something to come from it rather than it just be this free form thing, which works for some people, but I had to have a little bit more of a structure. Well, and I think again, this is like everything with some of, with these practices is that it's unique and we need to have needs. We need so much more information about who, like we're referring to when we're talking about the best way to move forward. But right. for a lot of the women in our community, um, what the feedback has been is with morning pages or with a free write is like, they're actually now noticing that they're just circling the same thought loops <laughs> or it's stirring up their anxiety or they're constantly writing about the same like shitty thing. Right. Yeah. So for that type of practitioner, having this wonderful, I love that little prescription that you just said. I want to write it down and like put it in the show notes or e- email it to our community is like paying attention, noticing the details, going back in 10 days, having that highlighter, like the sort of um, pulling out the bits and pieces that are truly relevant into our life are so important rather than sitting and sort of spinning into circles. Now at some point, when we want divine guidance or intuition or highest wise self or whatever you want to call it to come through, all of the practices kind of dissolve a bit so that you just have the space for for her to, to come forth. But I do think that some kind of structure is super important for people who are facing resistance towards just getting pen to paper. Because I know that women like us who've been writing and journaling pretty much our whole lives. Um, it's not, it's, it's easy. I would say it's easier for us just to trust that process because we've seen it and we've been doing it, but there's many women who haven't, who weren't like that. They weren't built like that. And what I want to reinforce to people who are listening is that I do believe that a journaling, a self reflective awareness practice in journaling and writing pen to paper is an essential part of knowing your own patterns and habits. And it's a very different process than therapy or meditation or yoga. Um, and, it, and it's really important. So what do you think about, what if, like, can you give an, a specific example maybe of something in your life where you sort of worked it out on the page and then saw it come to life or had your own insights about it? Yeah, so this is a great question because I think one thing I want to say is with these types of practices that are structured, you're not free floating 
and you start to see your patterns more blatantly. Plus, you can't unknow what you don't know, what you now know, right? Like, so if it's glaring from you in the highlighter and you're like, gosh, I have been circling the drain on this specific topic for 10 days, mm-hmm. perhaps I should take a different tack, right? Yeah. So for me, what happened was in 2014, I had stage three melanoma and I had to have two surgeries. I had a bout of chemo that almost killed me itself. Um, And I really like, there were some things that had happened during this process. So over a course of a year, I was working with cancer and and working through it and and mending and, and becoming healthy. Well, lo and behold, nobody really tells you Pleasance that it's actually the three years after you have cancer that your whole life comes into question. So really you're head down working out kind of the fact that you're sick. Then once you're sick, it's like, okay, you're better. Go figure yourself out. So for me, what happened was that this journaling process and this process of sort of like really describing the emotional state that I was working through and storytelling that way, healed so many unhealed aspects of my experience. You know, my husband and I, we, we realized like, okay, after this experience, we are now in a new phase of relationship. We can no longer be who we were together. Mm-hmm. And Esther Peril is a wonderful, um, <laughs> a wonderful psychologist or I don't know. I think she's a psychologist therapist yeah. for, and, and listening to her Ted talk about, okay, there's three phases of relationship. Like it was like, ding, we are in phase two. And thank goodness we realized that because any life event that's going to knock you over is going to show you like where things need to evolve. For me, writing it down as well. You know, it's funny. I just came across journals during that time and I'm reading them now and I'm like, oh, good Lord. You know, but, (laughs) but they really helped heal what needed to be healed inside of my own soul. And so that was like a specific thing where the dominoes started to fall for me. And I had to really work out who I now was post-cancer. What did that mean? Who, who am I as a person? I closed a business. You know, my husband and I really talked about what our relationship needed to be now and how it had changed. So that was like another major thing. Um, and thank goodness he's so evolved because otherwise, like, who knows what would happen. <laughs> um, and then, you know, really working with the relationship that I had just with my children after this experience. Yeah. You know, they watched me go through this. I was a different kind of mother afterwards. You know, there were like major things happening. And so for me, every day at that 530 hour, going down and writing out what I was experiencing And then looking back at these highlighted aspects saying, okay, so I see that I'm stuck here. And if I'm stuck here, then where, what does that mean Mm long-term? And so really getting that descriptive aspect out was so healing. And it made me realize that cancer wasn't my story. It was an experience that I had in my life that then catapulted me to different evolutionary aspects of who I am as a person but it wasn't my main story. And, and I abandoned a manuscript of writing a memoir about it. Cause I was like, this was the catapult. It wasn't the story. And so I think that too can help people is that it gets us out of our own way 
of what we think is our story, but actually is just a catalyst to something even greater. And it, it sounds like it didn't happen in like one entry or like for doing it for one day. That part of this like hindsight, part of this experience um, is the commitment to our life, to the inner life in such a way that we show up for this practice, which it sounds like you were doing daily. Um, did you do, were you writing daily when you were sick? No, I right. wasn't doing anything. <laughs> right. So let's also so, just yeah. be mindful that we're, that humans start and stop and have seasons where it's flowing and seasons where it's blocked and you return. And there's sort of this harmony that can happen. And we don't want to beat ourselves up for that, that we allow that to be part of the practice over time. Right? Yes. And that's what I say. You know, some weeks somebody gets sick or I get yeah. sick or I'm tired. Sometimes I just want to sleep in, you yeah. know, like yeah. permission yeah. to gather space around your practices. Cause I think the other thing that we encounter in, in our culture today is that everything has to be done at 110%. Mm -hmm. And if you're a doer and you're an achiever, you're going to be like, well, now I'm going to beat myself up because I didn't journal today. Or now I'm mm -hmm. going to beat myself up because I didn't commit to my practice, but it's fluid. I think where we run into trouble is when we don't acknowledge something when it's resistance versus just needing the, to ride the wave of, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to cut myself some slack. It's a busy yeah. week. I can't get up. I'm on vacation. Mm -hmm. I don't feel good. You know, like that's different, but if it's like you intend to start a practice and be devoted to this practice of writing and journaling and being kind of committed to understanding your inner self in this way, and then you don't do it ever, that's more resistance. So I think people just have to understand like, where is my resistance? How does it show up? Totally. Also, where do I just need a break? So one of the things that came up recently, we were talking about this on a call. Someone said, I think I'm nervous about starting the journaling because I don't know what's going to come out. Hmm. And I want to have a little conversation about the emotional aspects and emotional support and sort of what does the other, what do the other parts of your life look like in order to support what you have to face on the page? So what I think is really important that sort of facing on the page, I know there's some, like I said, I found these old journals and I was reading them and I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, like what did I write there? You know? I know, and I think there's something to be said around understanding that what we write down isn't then etched in stone forever for all of time, right? It's fleeting. And, and, and that's sort of the beautiful thing about it is that it doesn't necessarily define then, you know, we are now this thing because we wrote it down on the page. In fact, most likely what is going to happen is you write it on the page and then it's gone, right? It's like standing in front. If so, if any of your folks ever teach a class or speak in front of groups of people, it's that notion of announcing that you're nervous before you start talking. Yeah. And then the nervous is, yeah. the nervousness goes away. It's yeah. the same thing with writing of like, I'm scared of what I'll actually write down and what might come out of me. Yeah. When in reality that it will be so far less scary when you start doing it. Cause you're going to be like, oh, this isn't so bad. Like, this is okay. And so for right. me, right. what I have found in my own life, as far as support goes, is having other friends who are 
writing, you know, I'll just, you know, I have writer friends where we sort of bounce like, oh, this came up for me today, or I'll text and just say, you know, gosh, I wrote this, but it doesn't seem to really be going well, or I'm really kind of ashamed of what I wrote down or what I think is showing up. And, you know, and just having outside perspective, not that we're necessarily sharing our pages, we're more trying to create a container for others to then say like, I wrote this thing. It's kind of horrifying. What do you think? And then it's like, actually, this is what I'm pulling out. It's really beautiful. And I think what you're, what you're getting at here is, is so far much, so, so much deeper than you anticipated. So keep going. Like, it's not what you think. My mirror to you is showing you that it's actually beautiful and here's why. And I think that's a key element. Um, I'm a huge believer in writing retreats. I think it's really good to have containers with small groups where you can share work that you've been working on or share a start to a project and have it, you know, I'm not talking like MFA round table, (laughs) like let's just, that's not what I'm talking about. And I, you know, not all MFAs are like that. Yeah. 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 But like, I think just having a container of, you know, what really worked for you as a reader and then having you hear that is like, oh, I didn't even know that that translated. So that's also something that I try to employ in my life yeah. is, is gathering with other, with other writers and other creatives on what they're working on. Yeah, which I think is such an important part for all our creative endeavors, right? And one yeah. of the things that's happened um, with having all this information online is that we're doing it so much in isolation. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that, that lack of community or communal support or even, um, you know, sort of powerful feedback, which can really help you propel it forward. Um, That's why I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people paralyzed because they're like, well, I'm not good enough, or I'm not like that. And so I can't do it. And then there's more binge watching on Netflix, which I'm not necessarily, it's not good or bad. It's just, if we're doing that, instead of listening to our soul or heart's desires or creative projects or passion projects, um, that don't necessarily need an outcome, right? Maybe financial. I think this is the other thing with what's going on, especially in the world that you and I sort of like float around is that everything is then made into a business idea or has to have a ROI or has to be for a reason. And, um, I've noticed this so much in my, it's such a through line for my story is like, I fall in love with something and then I make it a business or I go all in or become the head of the board of it. Or I like, you know, create another product for it. And so, I'm in it really in January, February, like starting to move towards this creative project that for no, no reason there's not, I'm not, I'm not going to sell it. I mean, it's just, it's just literally because it's interesting and it might take a while and it's like kind of, I don't know, it's just weaving together a bunch of things. So I think it's just an interesting time to talk about creativity and creative projects and really prioritize them and value them. And doesn't need to all be online, like wherever people live, finding their little pods. And I've had such a hybrid business since I closed my yoga studio. Um, And now I'm sort of returning back to like having people in my basement and doing meditation for moms and just kind of coming back to sort of this homegrown, which my soul is really calling for. Um, And doing that with a sense of like that, this type of work does not, the homegrown in the basement mother circle that I'm creating um, does not pay for our life in Washington, D.C. 
So there have to be some things that do pay for that, that sort of fall into that category. And still I can have creative projects that feel more aligned with where I'm at. And that's just what I, I want to talk about is encouraging women to do that um, right. and make the space for it. Do you have other practices or what does your, your sort of spiritual and creative life look like? Yeah. So Pleasant's, I'm laughing because I too have an idea and then suddenly need to make it into a business. And it's like, what? We could be accountability partners for that. We can come up with ideas and text and be like, no, no business. business. Yeah. (laughs) Just enjoy it, lady. Just love it. Be creative in it. Oh my God. It's so funny. So, (laughs) and I think this is a lot of people, right? This is, we are not alone. Yeah. Everyone who's listening, you are not alone. We all do it. We all want to make But I think what what has occurred to me for this very reason is that because writing has become, I've identified it as the through line for all of my endeavors. Yeah. I know that I, that it, it has to be held sacred for me so that it doesn't become Hmm. a machine. Because when it becomes a machine in yeah. that I make it a business and it's the things and like all of the, you know, <laughs> the launching and the, all of it, right? When it becomes that, I then start to write not from where I, my perspective and my voice, I start to write for the market. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that this creative practice will lead me to places Mm-hmm. that will then help me pay my bills and things mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, as Elizabeth Gilbert talks about in Big Magic, when we monetize our creativity, yep. it starts to crush it, right? Yep. And I, you know, I love my day job because I get to still be in creativity yeah. and inspiring. And I get to keep my writing as separate and I get to keep, yeah. you know, this space for it. And I think that is, that's really important. So like if I'm teaching or I'm doing a podcast, I'm not worried about, okay, well, what will happen now? I just allow, I just allow it to be. And it, and it creates so much more space. And so that's why I started the Cardinal Moon Society as sort of a passion Mm -hmm. project Mm -hmm. of creating community where you know, I get to touch in with the people that are a part of it. You know, I always joke, I respond to the emails, you know, you email me, I get right, it. Right. I respond, right? <laughs> right? There's no other barrier. Yeah, right. And, you know, people are always laughing because they're like, well, what's your website? And I'm like, well, it's the Cardinal Moon Society.com, but it's an opt-in form and that's it. Cause it's in the emails that you'll learn everything. There's yeah. nothing else. And I think yeah. he, I do Simple. that very intentionally oh, as a create, creative project because mm-hmm. I want the connection. I want the community. I want people to know that when they join, they are part of something where I see them. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel like they belong. And I want, like you're talking about this essence of in-personness as much as we can yeah. online. And I yeah. think you're so right pleasance in that there is such a call now for this in-person aspect. People are desperate. We aren't silos. We are longing for this in-person connection of, I see you, I hear you, I understand what you're going through, and I can physically reach out and give you a hug, you know? And I think 
having this balance is super important. However, we can create that in our communities. Yeah. And I think that is something like, that's kind of my next iteration of all of this is how do I slowly and without grip yeah. have this in-person experience? You know, yeah. how do I create that for my community, but not turn it into, okay, now I'm selling, you know, like, yeah. As soon as, and it's funny because I, I like really am mindful of that. And that's actually been super helpful recently because I'm, you know, I'm working with this writing retreat that I'm offering for the first time. Yeah. And I just am really noticing like, okay, I've announced it. I'm talking to people. If there's any indication that I go into sales mode, I'm like, back it up, Alicia, take a break, walk away from the computer. And I do. And it yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Well, and I think also because your needs are met, like really looking at what's underlying it. Is it a, is it interest? Is it passion? Is it, what kind of energy masculine feminine is flowing this? And, I'm, and masculine energy is so addictive when we're like more, and then I want more, and then I want more, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this. And then we're like laid out on the couch. Like, I'm so burnt out. Ah, I don't know why. Why did I say yes? So I love that sort of checking in and and I know you're doing this retreat, so I love that you're stepping forward to it to really listen to that call of in-person. I've been reading a lot lately about the research behind what it means to be in-person mm-hmm. and how much we learn from each other cheek to cheek and how our bodies start to regulate, right? And you can feel that when you go on retreat sort of by like after 24 hours in the first 24 hours, everybody's system is kind of still their own and people are trying to trust and figure out who's going to be the talker in the group and who's pulling away and who's going to be crying. You know, everyone's kind of, and they're coming in with all their own stuff and their life. And I'm raising my hand, myself included. I'm not saying, I mean, this is totally, I don't, I know this experience intimately. (laughs) It's how I arrive at every retreat I teach. And, um, And then after 24 hours, it's just like, like your bodies get in rhythm and you can kind of like communicate without saying anything. And there's just this connection that is the most powerful thing that I can experience. And so I've been curious about that and researching the science of it um, because I think, well, I live in Washington. So having science of everything and evidence is like of utmost importance. (laughs) (laughs) We need to prove everything. Smartest city. I love that it backs it up. I mean, for me, it's just magical that the wisdom I feel and experience on these ancient practices and traditions of solitude in community, right? It's kind of this paradox. It's like, I'm alone, but I'm together. It's right. Everything. And then learning that the science is backing it up. And why do we feel that way? Well, because we start to get in sync and we start to get in tune. And when we're all of our parasympathetic nervous systems are activated and we're all resting and digesting together, it's so much more powerful. And there's so much great research about that with meditation, like why it's important to meditate together. Um, And so I just really love this sort of supporting creatives and women and people to really, where do you live in Maine, right? Maine. You're right. Yeah. You're around. Yep. Um, and what's it like? What do you have a writing community there in person? What's your community there like? There are so many writers in Maine. Yeah, I mean, well, it's really, what I always tell people is it's like, it is on a vortex, right? Yeah. It's like Sedona. So like the creative yeah. flow that occurs here is really remarkable. And so you have a lot of creatives that make their way mm. to Maine. Um, I live in Camden, which is an hour and a half north 
of Portland yeah. in an hour and a half south of Bar Harbor. So we're like a mainstay of, we're kind of a hub between the two. And so we get a lot of people, you know, in the summer, but year round, there's a great many creatives that live here. And so what I have found is that, you know, I have my core group of creative writers that I, that I talk with and, and, you know, we go on walks and do things and it's, you know, it wasn't like I, I put up a pin that was like, Hey, I'm looking for creatives. It was just sort of like, find, find who finds you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's really what has happened is that in this community, you know, doing different things, you find who finds you and you sort of put out the beacon of like, okay, I'm ready and open. And you talk about the fact that you're writing or you're doing these creative endeavors or you're opening a yoga studio or you're doing yeah. whatever it is. And then suddenly people begin to, to see you. So I think this is, you know, I think Pleasance to go with the data. I love that you're researching the data of these in-person events because I think it is so important anymore as well of like, yeah. what are the facts about this? Why is this important? Like, yeah. I know I feel it is important, yeah. but why? Like, yeah. tell me about the data. Because you think about, you know, I don't know the exact science of it, but when you give somebody a hug for 20 seconds, yeah. how it changes. Yeah your stress levels and your hormones and all this stuff. And you're just immediately happier. There is something to be said for that. Like, yeah. how can we replicate this, yeah. you know, for the work that we're doing in the world? How can we make spaces more, more loving in that way in person? And I think with creative people, this is, this is something that, you know, I think this is our great work as the world moves forward of yeah. when we create spaces and when we are in person with others, how do they feel when they are with us? And I think, you know, um, my friend Gina Gomez and I talk about this all the time. Like we, we have to treat people better. We have to do better. You know, she, she really has been a pioneer for me of like, okay, sort of like what's your intention versus your expectation and how do people feel when they are interacting with you and like leaping off from that point, something that I have really kind of endeavored is what happens when someone interacts with me? Do they feel seen? Do they feel heard? Do they feel like they belong? Yes. Great. Then I'm doing my, my good work here. No. Okay. I got to wrap. I got to figure out what's not working. And I think this is what we're talking about Love it. as far as we can only do this if we understand who we are at our core. So taking it back to the journaling aspect, if you're really seeing yourself at your core, you know where your limitations are and you know where you really shine. And, and that's like a five minute practice each day that can really illuminate that for us easily, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's work and you got to do it. <laughs> and it's, can be very worth it in the long run for it. your relationships and your life, right? Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about your book and the book writing process and what that has been like and tell us all yeah. the details behind the scenes? So I have, um, I have a children's book that I wrote in 2015. It's called The Lemonade Hurricane, A Story of Mindfulness and Meditation. And it's just a really simple introduction for families, teachers, um, it's a picture book. And so I, my intention for writing it was that I wanted a non-didactic way of introducing <laughs> meditation to families and households, right, in mm -hmm. classrooms. Mm -hmm. And so what was interesting about this book was 
it it was the thing I think that anchored me really into truly claiming my life as a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'll never forget it. It, it, You know, people talk about book magic. It really is a thing. Um, And I'm sure you experienced as well. Like you can't plan it. You can't plan it. And so what I love is that I was here in Maine, there's a publishing house called Tilbury House Publishers. And um, it's, it's a very old publishing company and it's independent and it's a wonderful place. And so I was calling them, a friend of mine who I knew, I was calling him, who's the publisher, for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And as the phone was ringing, I, am, I had this hit of like, you know, maybe I should tell him about this idea about yeah. this book. So he gets on the phone and I said, I'm calling you for something else, but I have something else and it's not really prepared, but I'm going to pitch it your way anyway. I just want to know what you think. Like, if it's a no, don't worry about it. I'm going to give, give me 30 seconds to pitch this thing. And he was yeah. like, okay, you know. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, here's my idea. A story of mindfulness and meditation, non-didactic, a story that people can relate to and read to their children and then they just want to do it. And he was like, and there was like a long pause. And he was like, I like it write a proposal. And it was in that instant, I mean, I had been thinking about this book. I had been, you know, wanting to write a children's book for a long time. As a poet, I am of middle, limited words anyway. You know, I like the shorter form. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, and so it went, I wrote the proposal and it was a process. I learned all about sort of the book world. It takes about two years for a book Mm -hmm. to come into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really, it began with, okay, write the proposal. I wrote the proposal, write the manuscript. There was a lot of edits to that manuscript. And one thing I will tell people, if you are a writer, be easy to work with. Your editors know what they're talking about. They will help your book (laughs) be the best thing it can be. Don't fight them on it. Like, sure, there will be some hills you'll want to die on, but most of the time, 90%, just be like, great. I love your edits. Thank <laughs> so you. I always tell people that. And then, you know, it was the process of, of getting it out into the world. And now I have, I have another book coming out. Well, I actually, knock on wood, if things go well, I have two books coming out in the world in 2020. Wow. Um, another children's book, as well as a poetry book, which I'm super, Yay. super excited about. Um, and, and those, there was a, like a long gap between my first book and the next books. And I think that's something I want people to understand too, is that sometimes there's some space yeah. so that you're, cause I think over the last four years, I was really finding how my voice, how I really wanted my voice to yeah. be in the world. And now I, and it'll always be evolving, but now with these two books, I think, okay, I'm hitting the ground running and I can keep going. Did you use the same publisher for your next two? Well, so there's a children's book. Um, Yes, same publisher, Tilbury House. So that's coming out. It's called um, Darn Tough. It's a story of grit and grace. So story of girls achieving. Um, And then my poetry book um, is under review with Paraclete Press. And so I'll know at the end of the month if that is something that is happening. Um, if it's not, no worries. I know I have the traction there. Get it out. So that was another magical story of book magic. So I think that it's that story, you know, even though I don't have the signed, sealed and delivered contract, I'm going to tell that story today because I think this is key for people. Um, when you devote yourself to your process, the universe 
will conspire for you. And so I, it goes back to kind of us talking about like, well, am I in sales mode? Am I in, you know, Mm -hmm. so I have, I wrote this poetry manuscript over the last six months, Mm -hmm. eight months. And it started, I just, I didn't know what it was going to be. I knew I wanted to write it. I had people ask me questions that they would want answered. So I, what I said to them was, tell me what your burning question is and I will respond in a poem. So they were like, great. So I got all these questions and it turns out like there was all this through line of life and humanity and love and longing and death and birth and health and wellness. Like all the questions just really were so potent. And so I just started writing and I started writing and I would send them these poems and I would say, thank you so much. And over this eight months, I wrote this manuscript. Well, then I was done and I thought, well, I don't know. Should I start pitching literary agents? <laughs> Should I start trying to figure out? And I kept feeling like, no, no. And so every day I would go back to writing and I would be journaling and all the stuff. And I would just sort of pay attention to that feeling. Long story short, I'm in a restaurant here in Camden, Maine, randomly on St. Patrick's Day where my husband and I are eating and these three people sit down. And we turn, we say, hello, we start chatting as you do in a small town, what happens. And, and they start talking to my husband about some things. Well, they were talking about my hus- to my husband about mindfulness and, and things like that. And then the gentleman says, oh yes, my wife just finished this divinity program, you know, and he says the divinity program. And I said, oh, that's so funny. I applied to that divinity program as well as an MFA in poetry, but I'm doing the MFA in poetry. And he goes, oh, so you're a poet. And I said, yes, I'm a poet. And he said, well, what kind of poetry do you write? And I said, earth-based spiritual. And he goes, I'm a publisher of poetry. That is what we publish. And that was, I was like, what? Like you couldn't make it up. And granted the story hasn't ended. I have no idea. I'm consciously optimistic. However, I tell that story because when you are devoted to the work that you know is truly for you, you start to see things to line up where the masculine happens on its own. Yeah. Without all the striving and doing and plans and this and that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I love it. I love it so much in terms of just reinforcing again, that sort of soul's purpose and staying committed because of the feeling and the calling rather than because of the outcomes or the fame or having a publisher, not having a publisher. There was an awesome, awesome music documentary a few years ago that I watched, and it was talking about this in terms of musicians, and it was like, what was the difference between, and then they would name a bunch of different people, and it was like, here's the people who actually, actually it was a, Dave Grohl was talking about this. He, I saw him in concert as a, at a, as a talk actually, and with his mom, cause he lives, he was from outside of DC and he was talking about this. And he said in this, he showed some clips and had done some research about this, this book that he was working on with his mom or his mom had done. And they said the difference between the sort of uh, successful lifelong musicians versus the burnouts or the ones who had died from drug overdose or, or you know, they were sort of comparing was that, that the successful lifelong musicians like really love to play music. Mm. Yeah. So they were just never like, I want to do this because I want the record or I want the house or I want the car. I want to do this because I love music. And 
I feel that way about writing and I feel that way even about almost every spiritual practice, meditation, yoga, walking in nature, um, movement, like intuitive movement, pretty much anything that you're just doing just for the joy of doing it, just because you love the thing and the feeling that you get while you're doing it, um, counter, like counterintuitively gives you more of the external markers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, and, and that's been my experience. And sometimes I feel, I, I mean, just honestly, I don't always feel like I want to shout that from the rooftop. Cause it, I don't know, maybe it's just my own sort of stories about it. Cause I feel bad. I don't want to make other people feel bad and blah, 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 all the things like maybe we don't have to do all the things and work so hard and make all the money and go to all the fancy schools. Although I went to lots of fancy school, like I'm not blaming, I'm not saying that I'm just, it's just very interesting to me. The more that I study human life and creativity and behavior that these souls that I circle around, like our, even our meeting and having this conversation is ridiculously magical. And we've definitely known each other before. We have so many friends in common. We speak the same language. We've never met. We don't live anywhere near each other. And there's just a magic that happens when you, when you connect with other soul-based creatures, because there's a wisdom that I can't, I can't pinpoint it and I can't explain it, but I can feel it in my whole body. Yeah. And I think, you know, this, this aspect, like to, to your point of, you know, in, in thinking about it from sort of like the way that the world is waking up now too, my hope is that the opportunities then blow wide open for voices, Yes, you know, now, like now there's even more voices. The arena has like opened its doors. You know, that is my intention too, of like, we are getting smarter so that we can help, you yep. know, and, and use, you know, our own privilege or our own, uh, you know, standpoints yep. to say like, Hey, no, these voices. And then it's like all of, you know, there's, I just think the opportunity, you know, somebody asked me what my greatest theory was. And I, I think it's that everything starts with love and it sounds so cheesy. I know, but I can't imagine in the state of the world with creativity not starting with love, like you're saying, it's got to be yeah. for the love of the art. Yeah. It's got to be for the love of humanity. Yeah. And it's got to be something where we can then open wide to allow for all the voices that need to rise up in the magic yeah. to happen, you know? And I'm I think linking. That, like, I yeah. think that so long, for so long, my work as a, like an activist has been very immature in development because I've been thinking of it as leadership and like help almost like that push up picture, right. you know, like that kind of thing. And more lately, I'm like, no, it's just an opening the circle and linking arms. Like yes. get out of the way lady. Like that's yes. what I've been saying to myself. Like shut yeah. up, you know, back up. Don't be so noisy. Yeah. Back up. And, and more, it's not like on my back, right? In yeah. Ayurveda, we always say back pain means you're carrying your elders on your back. It's yeah. more of this lifting up and like linking arms. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. you can just kind of feel that happening. Yes. The, I love that image of like, step aside, link up. Everyone's in the circle mm. now. You know? So good. <laughs> Um, did you have any impostery stuff or fear stuff come up as your book got closer to publishing? Just curious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, so yeah, still every day I'm like, who am I to be doing this? Like, shouldn't, this isn't, you know, I think this is the thing that 
it will always be a part of the process because when let's, I mean, for me, when I feel seen that, then I feel like, Oh, you know, I should not be seen. You know, I should be behind the scene. You know, I'm used to hiding behind a computer and like typing words and letting the book or the, the, the aspects of that be the, be the thing. And so I always think, you know, what, what does it mean if I, if I feel like an imposter, what is, you know, I always go back to Jack Canfield, the inner critic becoming the inner coach, success principles like 1995, but there is something to be said for that. Like, what am I afraid of? What is this inner critic teaching me that makes me feel like an imposter? Somebody, and, and, and something that I will say to people is believe it when somebody tells you that you are worthy enough to have this happen, right? So when a publisher says to you, you are going to have a book contract now and your book's going to make it in the world, believe that they know what they're talking about. That's their job. You wouldn't go to your hairstylist and not believe that she knew how to cut hair or he knew how to cut hair. Believe them when they say, this is for you, Mm -hmm. you know, or if you get an article published on Mm -hmm. in a magazine or an online or, you know, people like it and comment and tell you how much they like or whatever it is, like the feedback, it's there for a reason. And I think for me, when I hit up against it, I really have to take a minute to breathe into it of like, where in my, you know, if you want to talk about the chakras, like which chakra is getting invaded right now? And I think we can feel in our bodies where we're not aligned with the process. And then that helps us understand why we're holding ourselves back. You know, Mm -hmm. even when I do interviews, you know, I hang up and I'm like, Oh, did I say something wrong? Or, you know, (laughs) like, did I stick my foot in my mouth in some way? Or should I have said that, you know, and all this second guessing comes up and it's like, no belief that I am doing the best I can. My intentions are good. If I have messed up, people will let me know. And I can say, I'm sorry, but nine times out of 10, we are doing the thing from our heart so that we can share our stories or share our experiences so that others might have that same, you know, same connection. And I think that is something too, when your book came out, Pleasant Side, be curious, like, what did you have a panic attack? I mean, yeah, basically. Well, and also I was in a, like a cohort because I was doing self-publishing with a program. So it was awesome for me at the time, really transitioning from studio owner to being on my own because I had always only been behind organization. So I was awesome at starting organizations and community, um, in, in all different ways, but never with my, with just my name on it. And I was so scared of that. So closing my studio and stepping into my own, like, what do I believe? And if I don't have to like be a good principal and get all my families to like me or be a good studio owner, like I was in all these roles that kept, that were so around people pleasing. And I was Mm -hmm. so afraid of like losing clients or getting angry parents at the school or there was just so much fear. Um, So it was a really tough, emotional and psychological process to do the book writing right at the moment I did it. It was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. But the week before we were on a group call and I was just like, I could, my palms were sweaty. And I was just like, I don't know why I did this. Nobody cares. 
Like nobody is going to care about these stupid stories. Like I got mad at them. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> got mad at myself. I was mad at everybody. Right. And I had just broke my foot. So I was literally sitting on the couch. Like it, I called it my sacred sabbatical because literally, you know, I got put out and had to sit on the couch for six weeks before oh my, my book God. came out. So that was just like, you got to go through it. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard. It was really hard. And being around all those other people, they were like, me too, me too, me too. I was like, oh, this is just what happens. My yeah. ego, I'm afraid. I'm putting myself out there. Like, and then I realized that process. So now every time over the past three years that I've seen that happen, I'm like, oh, there that is again. There she is again. This is what happens. And just being really open about it as part of the process. And it's not preventing me from still doing the work or the yeah. writing. And I'm going through it again now because I decided that I was going to do book number two and do it about mental wellness and mental health. And it's really, so it's on sort of every level, like a, a deep dive because it's the stories and the emotion and the diagnosis and the childhood stuff with the research. But then on top of it, just again, going through the process of writing and asking like, does anybody care about this? And why am I doing this? And I just am recentering with like, it's not about if anybody else reads it or cares about it. This is what my soul is asking to do. And I'm not going to question it right now. I just know this is the, the way this works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is what and we do. This is <laughs> if what we, we do. choose to live this way, you know, if you're choosing yeah. to live by going through it, by having the intention, by being awake, by asking questions about the stories, by connecting dots. And I also like what you said about there's certain stories that I've always had play out that I always thought I'd write about that are not coming to life in this book. And I was like, I don't actually want to write about that thing. Like it could just be something that happened in my life that I don't need to deep dive into and, and share with everybody. I can keep that in to my heart. And I think that part of Brene Brown's brilliance has been talking about vulnerability and authenticity. And I think the shadow of that has been, should I share everything? Should I tell everybody everything about all the painful things? And so, you know, sort of for me, it feels really important to have dots connect that speak to a larger social issue that I'm feeling really concerned about and interested in. And, and that feels motivating. Yeah. So that's how I have to find my own sort of North star as I navigate. Like I, could I not do this? Totally. Like I could just shut it all down and be like, I'm not doing it, but I would be restless and it would be inside yeah. of me. And I know that feeling of like, it has to be born. Like I get sort of creepy crawly and a little bit snippy. And so when I'm in the process of actually writing this out, I feel like a deep exhale and a release every morning. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. this is what I'm here to do. Do you know that feeling? I love that feeling. <laughs> So I'll always be like, I'm doing the hardest work. And I yeah. love it. And I love it. <laughs> and the other thing that I will tell people is when it becomes <laughs> a book and it's in the book form and then it goes out into the world, it is no longer ours. It is the world's. And the world yeah. gets to yeah. do what the world's going to do with it. Yeah. And I think yeah, yeah. that was the biggest lesson with my first book of yeah. just saying like, oh, because I would read reviews and I would read all of these things and I'd be like, that's so funny. I, okay. Like, I guess that's what they took away. And that was yeah. great. And some were good and some were not great and some were fine, you know, but it was just like watching the interpretation mm. of each aspect. I was like, I get it now. It's ours while we're writing it. And yeah. then it's the world's when it's done. Mm. And that's it. 
And I think that that, that um, Elizabeth Gilbert talking about what it felt like to write anything after Eat, Pray, Love <laughs> was just so, such a powerful story and reminder. Cause that, you know, she, I mean, she would just be like, I just sat there and was like, what are you supposed to do now? Like, how are you <laughs> supposed to be that? You know, like, Right. And then, you know, all these other things come out and then big magic hits in such a different way. Mm -hmm. Like it's so powerful, but it's such a different way. And the story is about the creative process. And so when I feel like I should be quiet or sit in a corner or keep it to myself or not write or not live this way, live so openly, I'm like, no, because if she did, like, I've learned so much from her. She talks about this. Maybe someone, maybe this will help someone be like, cause I'm not Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm just Pleasance in Washington. Like I'm not right. famous. I don't have a big following. Like just me living my, living, living my best life over here, living the dream. I tell everyone two kids, elderly dog. We got two gerbils, two hamsters, <laughs> we got ants. Like I am living the dream. So like if I can do it and like do this, like anybody can do it. I'm a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. So Amazing. that sort of like re reminding ourselves of our stories. Speaking of your kids are about to come home, tell yes. <laughs> everybody where to find you. And I'm going to set the intention that someday in the future, we're going to work together. We're going to do something in, in real life, hopefully in Maine, because I love Maine and I love anything New England. So as long as we can be in New England, I go anywhere, but I love New England and do a combination of like movement and yoga, intuitive movement. I don't even teach yoga anymore. Just movement in our bodies and feeling good and writing and just flowing all weekend, you know, few days of just movement and being in our bodies and using writing as a tool. Will you do that with me? Can I you will do that absolutely. Okay, yay. Sign me up. I, Maine, DC, <laughs> wherever. <laughs> Not DC. DC doesn't really bring out the flow in people. <laughs> Kind of blocks the flow. So we will make this happen. We will make this happen. So where can people find you and your writing and join your stuff and buy your books and do all the things? So if they want to join my newsletter, which is where everything happens, you Great. can go to cardinalmoonsociety.com. Okay. I am on Instagram at Licia Morelli. And you can buy my book, The Lemonade Hurricane, on Amazon. Um, I'll link everything Great. to the notes. So people thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for your writing. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your contributions. I love following you on Instagram and liking everything and feeling <laughs> like we're soul connected across, not really across the country, but across the East coast. And thanks for being my soul sister. Thank you, Pleasance. Thank you for having me. It was such a delight to chat today. I love that. I know. I feel like I've, I've known you forever. So here we go. We're just, here we go again. <laughs> Yay. Have a good afternoon. You too. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.